we're suddenly stepping up with our message, whether it's fiction or non-fiction. We're stepping up to be seen. We're stepping up to make a statement. We're saying, this is what I stand for. And if that has happened and we haven't backed that up with allowing ourselves to become the person we need to become to get the message out there, imposter syndrome will try and keep us safe by making us play small. Welcome to the Writer's Journey podcast. Get inspired and see how taking the writing process one week at a time can not only create a book, but change your life too. I'm Simon Huggins and I'll be sharing a half-hour journey every week with aspiring authors who need to get the book out there one way or another. We'll be sharing in each writer's journey and see how the process of writing a book transforms their lives. To find out more, why not go to writersjourneypodcast.com or say hi at facebook.com slash writersjourneypodcast. Thanks for joining. Thank you very much for joining me, Claire Yeza. Um, so um, Claire's got a, an awful lot of background around things which, um, which you'll find very helpful, I think, in terms of just being able to understand why it is that you, you're having these procrastination problems. Because everybody I know has some sort of procrastination problems when they are trying to get down to writing, particularly when they get to the really important bits. Um, and, and people don't understand why that is. Because they think, well, I'm, I've enjoyed re- writing the book up to this point. And then all of a sudden, there's this wall that comes down pretty, almost always around about the time when it becomes really important that you knuckle down and, and, get, and get the job finished. <laughs> so, um, Claire, I know you've, you, you've, you work with a lot of people who have these sorts of problems. So, and I'm sure you've had these problems yourself in the past as well. So you can give us some insight into, into your own experiences and how you've got over overcome this for yourself and for others I guess I guess first if you want to get, just introduce yourself a little bit about what, what you do of course so thank you for having me and thank you for listening and my background I was originally an engineer um, I love logic I love problem solving I spent 10 years specializing in lean manufacturing and I then realized that actually what made me tick was making people smile was going around the production line fixing the problems and getting that intellectual challenge but it was the effect on the people that really made me tick I took a year out when I was 30 went traveling for a year and I came back to be head of market research at Dyson where I got to be the connection between the engineers the marketing team and the customers I got to be the translator and that's where I discovered I'd always been passionate about psychology but that's where I discovered NLP And over three or four years, I studied to become a trainer. And I realized this burning need inside that so many of us have when we're authors to make a difference in the world. Yeah, I couldn't do that working in someone else's business. So in 2003, I set up my own business and I've been doing that ever since. I'm now what Brian Clark would call unemployable. Yeah, (laughs) which so many of us are. And my big mission is to wake up the passionate world changers. Yeah, so many of us want to make a difference in the world, but it's terrifying. And when you're sat at home on your own, where do you start? Who do you go to? How do you find your network? So I do a lot of business mentoring, but it's not just the business strategy. I do that deeper inside work so we can get out of our own way. It goes beyond mindset. And I'm always telling my clients and students that changing the world is not about what you do. It's about who you allow yourself to become. Mm. Now, I started writing books seven years ago. I've had six published now. My seventh comes out in July. So I've done five nonfiction, all about kind of how to be happier, how to change the world by changing yourself, 
almost two years ago, I published Dare to Dream Bigger, which is summarizing 15 years of business mentoring into one book that you can read on the sofa in your pajamas with a cup of tea and change the world, less than the price of a pizza. And that was the first time imposter syndrome hits me. Yeah. Okay. All my other books on meditation, mindfulness, gratitude. I had a best-selling gratitude journal for years. None of that bothered me. And it was publishing my How to Change the World with Your Business book that freaked me out to the extent that it, the night before it was due to go to the printer, because we did a first run was hardback, beautiful, I deleted the manuscript, like properly got rid of every trace I could find of it because I convinced myself that after 15 years of teaching this stuff, who was I to write a book on it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I know I'm not alone, yeah? <laughs> no, absolutely. That seems quite an extreme. So, it's, so you, you must have really convinced yourself. Do you know, it was, it was one of those things, you know, when sometimes when we're writing a book, self-doubt bubbles along and, you know, oh, will they like this section? And who, who am I to say all this anyway? And we keep going. Hmm. And then sometimes if we haven't dealt with those niggling doubts, they wait till the 11th hour and they become tsunamis. And that was what happened. I had a complete hissy fit, deleted the manuscript. Obviously, the book's on the shelf behind me as I'm talking. I got it back off my backup drive. <laughs> I had to do my inside work to clear that fear. So that's how big it was. Now, the only reason the book even got to that stage is because I let other people hold me accountable. So I pre-launched and I pre-sold because I knew... I needed that incentive. I needed people that were going to feel disappointed if I didn't finish it. I signed a contract with the printer and paid the money before I finished the book. So it's <laughs> not finishing it was not an option, yeah? <laughs> so yeah. That, that, was, that was your incentive to, to, to go seek the, the backup drive then after the hissy fit? <laughs> it was, to be honest, once I'd done the self-work that I teach, it, the, the belief was gone. It was fine. But I had to clear that because otherwise I would have blocked my launch. I would have blocked my promotion. I would have played down the book. I wouldn't have been congruent in all the videos and interviews that I did during the launch. The book was great. It was read by a team of 30 people in my R&D team who tried it all on the side. So I knew it was a good book. Hmm. But that was irrelevant in that moment of self-doubt. The self-doubt's won over the engineer's logic. Yeah. Wow. Yes, and I suppose that's quite a powerful instinct that's working there. And I guess it's the difficulty is actually recognizing recognizing that it's there in the first place, and it isn't some because I don't know about other people, but you don't recognize necessarily that they're two different things. That your rational bit mm. and the little monkey sitting on your shoulders <laughs> saying you're rubbish. <laughs> Uh, two different things. <laughs> yeah, and actually they're associated with the two parts of your brain two major parts of your brain so most of our writing whether you're writing non-fiction self-help business books whatever or you're writing a novel and my last book in december was actually my first novel the bit of your brain that's doing the writing is the prefrontal cortex yeah it's the bit that does that amazing creative thinking that can sort things into a logical order for a non-fiction book that can come up with absolutely unexpected plot twists in a story but when you're in stress, low level stress, if you're self-talk, your inner critic is saying, who's going to want to read my book? I'm not good enough. Look at so-and-so on the bestseller list. I'll never get there. It's actually triggering the amygdala part of the brain, the primal part of the brain, that dinosaur bit that suddenly starts building, publishing this book into a saber-toothed tiger. It wants to defend you. It wants to keep you safe. When you tell yourself those stories, you divert the blood from the front of the brain that can do the brilliant writing, do the stress bit, 
that only cares about whether or not you're going to run up the tree <laughs> or just pray the tiger goes away. And this is what happens when you ignore that voice and you push it down. There'll come a crunch point where it says, no, I want to keep you safe. Publishing this book is not safe. You've not listened to me. So now I'm going to really throw a tantrum and make sure I get your attention. Right. So, so in a sense, um, I guess, I suppose it's... Um Yes, you're, so it's you in, in a toddler in a way. <laughs> so, in a toddler, keep wanting to keep you safe. Because yeah. I don't know about you, Simon, but I've found sometimes publishing a book is a bit like being called to the headmaster's office and you don't know whether you're going to get praise or told off and you're standing there and you're hoping people are going to like it and you're scared of the trolls and what if nobody buys it? It's, it's actually quite a big deal. I'm happy to publish online courses or do speaking events, for example. I have no issue with those because I can always, it's live in the moment for speaking. An online course, I can always change it. But a book is quite a statement yes. and it's there forever. Yeah? yeah. So one of the things I encourage people to do, if you're listening to this today, if you ever find yourself having conversations like, who am I to write this book? What if it's not good enough? What if people don't like it? Don't ignore those conversations. Don't indulge them. But I have a three-step process I use, ABC, that helps you to move on so you can get back in your creative flow. A is for accept. Yeah, accept that you were running some inner dialogue where you're just expressing fears and worries. B is for B, breathe. A really deep breath in from the belly and breathing out through the feet. It helps to reset your nervous system. It gets that fight, flight, freeze response standing down. And then C is choose. Choose to think about a bit of evidence that supports your dream. Yeah? yeah. Maybe think of some great reviews. Maybe think of an email you've had from someone saying you helped them. Maybe think of some feedback you've had somewhere. Maybe think about how amazing it feels when you're in flow and the words are just coming out faster than you can write or type. Accept, breathe, choose. It resets that inner dialogue and it reprograms your brain. It rewires your neurology to spot what you're doing well, to encourage and support you on that journey. That sounds like hugely useful advice. Uh, apart from anything, the fact that you're, uh, the thing is not to, they're not pushing it down and actually recognising it, I guess, is key because then it doesn't become that huge, great rush of self-doubt that happened, that will happen at some point. But exactly. you're, you're acknowledging it at least, yeah. Exactly. Well, Carl Jung says that what you resist persists. Yeah. So if you try and push away those thoughts, you're effectively rejecting the part of yourself that thinks it's trying to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. And what's it going to do? It's like if you tell a toddler not to tantrum, it screams louder. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had three of them. <laughs> so if you push away that part of you that says, but Claire, I'm scared, then it's like trying to shut that child away. It's not going to work. And it is just going to fight for more attention. And because this blocks the creative process, it can actually risk making your book not as good as it could be. And you won't enjoy that creative journey. And you'll find yourself procrastinating and putting off and missing deadlines. I, mean, I use accountability throughout for my books to make sure that if these doubts are coming up, I've got a focus that's not about me. This is another technique I've found hugely, hugely helpful. Right, yes. When I'm running self-doubt or if I'm just thinking, oh, I'm too tired to write today, I think, well, what about that person that's lying awake at three o'clock in the morning waiting for this solution? And I do it for them, not for me. Yeah. yeah. And I guess even for fiction writers, quite often you may think that um, it doesn't matter. Because when it comes to fiction, it can often be the, the self-doubt about thinking, but this has been done a hundred times before, I'm sure. Somebody's going to know, who's going to want to read this? Because it's just this 
same old rubbish isn't it oh it's just not original and creative and, and so all those self-doubts which seem perfectly reasonable until you actually put yourself into a reader's mind instead of your own mind and think but that's what I want when I'm a reader <laughs> I want something that's familiar I want something that is readable and you, people don't necessarily see that they bring their own their own unconsciously they bring their own slant on writing to things and um, that of course they're not going to see themselves because they that's just them yeah, of course i mean i've i've got a friend who writes historical fiction from the tudor era now she could have said well philippa gregory's done that mm-hmm. and not bothered but people love her books because she's the only one that can write those stories in the way that she does when you've got a dream of a story inside you you are the only one that can write that nobody else can write that with something like a business book, anybody can write a business book if they know how to teach, how to grow a business, but only you can write it with your story, with your magic, your gifts, that elixir that your hero's journey brings. And with fiction, it's still so important. I, so my first novel was You Take Yourself With You, published in December, and the sequel comes out in July. I'm already getting social media tags and emails from readers saying, when can I pre-order? I'm bored of waiting. yeah and even you know it's probably one in a hundred that would bother contacting us to say that so even if you only get one of those it means there's probably a hundred people out there going i loved fred's last book when can i get another one yeah yeah it's such a gift when you get to write it's such a gift to get to just speak soul to soul to the reader and the connection, the difference we make in their lives, whether it's fiction or non-fiction, is something we should never underestimate. And I'm not saying that to try and make everybody scared that their book's going to be so good. It's about you being you and expressing that uniqueness you have in your words in a way that only you can. And that's going to develop over time. And the only way that you'll see that that development is to carry on writing exactly <laughs> getting the feedback i mean my editor my books with my editor at the moment which is for me always the most nerve-wracking bit because she pulls no punches <laughs> <laughs> and i know once it's got through her it's going to be fine <laughs> but, you know, so it, and it's learning from the process you know we grow with each book with each article yeah with each blog post with each interview we grow and change and our readers yeah. are with us on that journey yeah, so, so I mean, uh, I mean, all you have to do is think about a an author that you know and love yourself, who's written many books, and you'll you'll see that they have a, they've all had a progression of how they've written themselves, and we we love to follow them on those journeys. So why should it be any different for for each author? Exactly, it's, and we've all got to start somewhere, and it's a brilliant reframe, Simon, isn't it? Is is thinking, mm. okay, I loved this book so much, I stayed up all night reading it. How would I feel if that author had let imposter syndrome or self doubt prevent them from publishing? Yeah. There is no. somebody out there waiting for your book to do exactly that for them. I have another. So another thing that I find useful as well um, with that is to think in terms of the um, book not being mine. Um, so think of it as being uh, I'm like the person telling a story that somebody's been kind enough to pass on to me so I'm just I'm just recounting that to somebody else so I'm passing that on as you might have done in the you know in days when we didn't write this down Um, and so from that point of view it's it's selfish for me to actually think in terms of this is my book and I decide whether or not this story should go out to the world because it's been given to me absolutely and I I don't know about you, but I find that having sounding boards as well, people I trust to give me feedback on drafts and story ideas can really help through that process. It, it's almost a little bit like 
having a child you know you go through this pregnancy just stays in the book and then you go through labor and then you go oh great now I've got to look after this thing and I don't know what to do um, <laughs> but there is that time where you're having to look after it and grow it and if you think about this this book is a gift I'm giving to my readers yeah. they're going to want to buy obviously <laughs> <laughs> there is too much free stuff out there that's a different podcast episode <laughs> But when you think of it, it's, it's like you're trying to give your book wings to fly. Yeah. 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 And there will be people who love it and there will be people who don't. And it hurts when you get a review from somebody who doesn't. But also it just means it didn't work for them. It doesn't mean it didn't work. And actually, you'll probably find that if somebody had such a strong reaction, it, it may be nothing to do with your writing anyway. It may well be something else. It, it would be something. It may be something that they've reacted to personally and yeah. they think, um, yeah, no, I've, I've seen that where people. Um, is it surprising if you if you if you go to a a book group where people are reading the same thing, then you you see that you get such a variety of reactions. Some people love, some people hate, some people couldn't get past the second chapters. Others were laughing it up. So the, the point is, is that when you find the readers who do love what you write and the way that you write it and the, and the way that you tell that story and the story itself of course um then those are the ones who are going to be you know <laughs> those are the ones that, that, that are your audience and they'll be your, likely they'll be your audience going onwards exactly it's write your book for your super fans hmm. yeah absolutely i know we've talked about whether there are any advantages to imposter syndrome in the past yeah. it's a topic that is really interesting yeah. i think one of the things it does is it keeps you humble hmm. Yeah, so it does stop you from becoming arrogant and maybe thinking that your writing doesn't need editing or that you don't need feedback. Yeah, and it helps you to keep listening. Yeah. yeah. But I don't see it as a useful tool apart from that. Yeah, because no. the biggest thing that happens with imposter syndrome is you just don't write. I've, um, I've been re-watching Will and Grace <laughs> on the box set because we, yeah. we don't have a telly, but occasionally we watch the DVDs. And I watched an episode with my husband last night where Grace was talking about one of her lecturers from university and saying, oh, he really inspired me to write. And she went to see him because he was retiring. And, he, and she said, you inspired me to write. And this lecturer, oh, that's wonderful. What did you write? And she said, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what imposter syndrome does for us. It stops yeah. us getting started. Hmm. It stops us writing the book that's really in our heart. It can make us water it down and sanitize our message, turning it beige instead of marmite. It hmm. can mean that we miss opportunities. We turn down speaking events. We turn down interviews. We, we almost hide from our readers. So I see imposter syndrome is actually our biggest opposition. And maybe one of its benefits is that it forces us to have the will to keep going, even when we're not in the mood. Yes, no, absolutely. Because I suppose it's, it's kind of like a, a red flag as well, isn't it? Mm. So that when you see it, when you, when you come to recognise it, because it will never go away, mm. it'll, it'll always keep kind of waving its little hand and saying, yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> um, but that's at least a, it's, it's a useful reminder to say, that, you know, that's, that's that's a part of us which we can't get rid of it's probably part of our story as well to be honest with you it is and it's also for me i find it a really useful warning signal with myself with my clients that you're about to stretch a comfort zone yeah, yeah? so i didn't get imposter syndrome at all if you take yourself with you i just loved writing it um i had my first editor my husband is a very critical reader and then it went to my professional editor i knew it was a great book and i dealt with those inner demons writing the mm. sequel the tainted diamond 
I'm finding imposter syndrome coming back up again because it's something I've never done. I've never written a sequel. So when I wrote the first novel, I'd actually believed for 30 years I couldn't write a story from a throwaway comment from an English teacher. I did some of my, uh, yeah, bless her heart. It was, I got a B B for an essay, which for me was horrific at the age of 13. (laughs) She said she was going to try. So I never willingly wrote another story again. (laughs) But there came a day where the story I wanted to write, it's like it was banging down the door. So I did, I actually did some EFT, some tapping work. I teach EFT to clear that old belief of I can't write a story. I felt no different, felt really disappointed. Two days later, I drafted seven novels. And four months later, one of them was in the shops. So clearing out that block really worked. The tapping I'm now doing is clearing out my blocks on what if book two is not as good as book one was. Yeah. Right. When you know what the blocks are, you can do something about them. They can go away. Imposter syndrome just means that you're a little bit out of your depth and you mm. need to allow yourself to grow to become the person for whom this is the next logical step. Yeah. Some of the some of the greatest artists that I can think of as well, when they're going through this process, they do they do actually go through a process where they may produce a work which isn't isn't as good as you know in their own minds and, and even in other people's minds as, as previous ones, but it's it's necessary as a transition. So it's because you you're, you're moving between one style or one way of thinking or one way of of writing to another one, and you, you have that necessary. It's a bit like when you learn to drive. <laughs> you have that period where the gears everything is kind of you're having to do consciously and you think i don't know quite know which order i'm supposed to do these in and then you move on um and then all of a sudden it just happens but there's this transition phase between the thinking about it consciously and subconscious and it just happening where everything suddenly is a model again uh, while you're making that transition so even if you do have a a work where you where you know you think this isn't as good as what i've done before i don't understand why it may be your transitional work it may be the thing that is you need in order to prepare you onto a whole new phase of writing i think that's a brilliant point yeah you go from you take you have to go through clunky to get to mastery yeah yeah um yeah go on yeah it's just because because that's how we develop otherwise we don't progress as 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 beings so yeah as creatures so exactly so this would be a place where that self-doubt is a really good thing to turn around and say okay i don't think this is going to be as good as my last whatever because that's mm. where the excuses and fears bubble up. It's the answer to the because. Deal yeah. with it, yeah? Maybe you need a different editor. Maybe you need to go for a structural edit before you go for a line edit. Maybe you need a review group to look at the first draft. Do you need to go and get yourself some creative writing courses? Something I see an awful lot in nonfiction books is people who are brilliant at doing something but have never been taught how to teach it. They've never had to deconstruct their process. Yes. And as an NLP trainer, that modeling is actually yeah. modern butter. And as a lean manufacturing engineer, being able to deconstruct how somebody is doing something and pull out the key points mm. is like my idea of a big party. <laughs> <laughs> so I love, when, I love working with authors when they're in that muddle phase yeah. and they've lost their, what the Germans call the red thread, that right. kind of line through the journey. That's mm. the bit that gets me excited. So, you know, sometimes we need to go back to that stage and look at how we need to restructure the book rather than just ploughing on regardless. Hmm. No, 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 absolutely. I mean, there'll be a point where you realise you have completely lost your way. Um, So it happens, especially if you're that type of writer who who prefers to actually follow the story as they go along. Yeah. I know, and, and we all write in different ways. And one of the things I think we have is a huge advantage over, say, someone like Van Gogh, 
as a painter mm. where he would be commissioned so he had to create what he was told to write yeah mm. as indie authors we get to publish what we know we love writing and our readers love reading it's such a bonus and unlike van gogh who would have one chance to create that painting he'd been paid for it it had to be what he'd agreed with his patron we can rewrite as many times as we need to mm. we can go back and hone if it's not working we can even republish you know we can edit and we can change so as we're growing through that journey we can update if you want to, <laughs> want to. <laughs> but yes yeah that's true we, we now do have because we're in a digital age now i guess we, we do have a, a lot more options in terms of um of being able to actually go back in previous times i guess that, that wouldn't have been a possibility um you publish a book it goes out there and maybe you get a reprint if you're successful enough exactly um, exactly and the publisher would be telling you what's going to sell so they would want input over the storyline yeah okay <laughs> my, my biggest advice if ever somebody finds if you find yourself in that model space is is to take the step back sometimes mm. for example if i've lost the plot literally yeah. i will come back and i will draw it out as a flowchart on a huge piece of paper on the wall and say okay what's missing where is it too slow where is it too fast which bits have i forgotten sometimes if i'm doing a non-fiction book i'll actually have bits of paper on the floor so i step through each stage of the journey and each stage is a section of the book and i ask myself i imagine i'm standing in the shoes of the reader yeah. and i say what do they need to know by the end of this bit so the next bit makes sense that's great all yeah. sorts of ways. sitting behind your computer very rarely solves that level of confusion <laughs> <laughs> Showers help, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> and good walks, sometimes going on holiday, <laughs> cleaning the kitchen. Anything that's not writing can help to reset, give you that fresh perspective. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, people think that they're alone in the idea of they have this imposter syndrome, but it's, I, I don't, I think it's, I get the impression it's pretty much universal, whether people admit it or not. And just because people are well-known authors, that doesn't mean to say that they've lost the imposter syndrome. Um, exactly. You're absolutely right. And it's not just authors. I have spent 15 years working with people who run their own companies or their board level or directors, helping mm. them on that inside work that nobody wants to talk about because it does go so far beyond mindset and attitude. In your average boardroom in the UK, at least half to three quarters of the people sitting in there, male or female, are running imposter syndrome. What if they find me out? What if they catch me out? What if they realize I'm a fraud? One of the things I've specialized in in my corporate career, where I help businesses with the work I do, is actually taking people who've been promoted too quickly and that imposter syndrome then manifests as bullying and being impatient and being aggressive that personality change that happens when somebody gets too senior too quickly and they haven't yet grown into that role themselves yeah. so this is everywhere you're so in good company if you're running imposter syndrome listening to this all of us have it but it doesn't mean that we have to be a slave to it and it doesn't have to be a badge of honor we can yeah. do with it there's an excellent book about exactly what you're talking about as well uh, i'll put it in the show notes as well because i can't remember what it's called okay something to do with master something something mastery but i can't remember the name of it off, off the top of my head I because it. it's an excellent book which i recommend everybody reads um even if uh, they're in even if they're not a, a corporate person who's been promoted too quickly 
But it's exactly the same scenario, isn't it? Is we're suddenly stepping up with our message, whether it's fiction or non-fiction. We're stepping up to be seen. We're stepping up to make a statement. We're saying, this is what I stand for. And if that has happened and we haven't backed that up with allowing ourselves to become the person we need to become to get the message out there, imposter syndrome will try and keep us safe by making us play small. Yeah. No, it makes total sense because um, you have to. You ha it's a protective mechanism in some ways. I guess you're you're, you're needing to protect yourself, like, you, like you're saying. So it is. A, it's, it's it's valuable in that you at least recognise the fact that this you know that something's happening. It's just. <laughs> it's just. It's, I guess it's kind of helpful to be able to have somebody who understands this process to be able to talk this through with um, because it's trying to trying to actually work out trying to actually extricate from um all the different sort of um, reasons that you're inventing for why it's there well, okay, um, so here's, here's my process when you've got the reasons coming up if you've got reasons coming up for why say you don't want to finish a book or the chapter or you've got writer's block or you're mm -hmm. turning down an interview or a speaking opportunity it's back to that because okay? yeah. i can't do that because let at least seven answers bubble up because the first few will be logical and the gems are underneath. Mm -hmm. and then you go through them with a great big pen and you look at them and you ask yourself, is that really true? Because <laughs> some of them will just simply be nonsense. They're just thought habits. So draw a great big line through them. Mm -hmm. The ones that are left, my magic question when I'm working with mentoring clients on this is what do I want instead? Mm. So one of them might be, I'm not good enough to publish this book. What do I want instead? I want to feel confident in publishing this book. Great. So rather than worrying about not being good enough, what action can I take to allow myself to feel confident in publishing this book? Keep your focus coming back to that. What do I want instead? I want to feel confident enough to publish this book. How am I going to make that happen? Do I need some coaching? Do I need some accountability? Do I need some feedback? Do I need to do some affirmations? Do I need to look at my positive reviews? Do I need a folder of happy reviews? <laughs> Whatever it takes to give you your what do I want instead will heal that old fear and excuse that no longer needs to cause you to self-sabotage. Hmm. And I, I guess in some cases, a, a little reminder, in terms of affirmations, uh, some people will put up a something on their wall <laughs> just to say, yeah. okay, this is the one that I keep coming back to this particular problem. And this is the, and, the, and this is the, and this is what, what I need to remember in order to yeah. stop self-doubting. So I guess people, if they do this often enough, yeah. they're, that they'll, they'll recognize what their patterns of exactly. self-doubt are exactly. like. And actually, this process is perfect for creating affirmations. So I don't normally recommend affirmations. If you go and buy like those beautiful decks of cards of affirmations, mm. they so often don't work because they're not right for you. Yeah, that makes I sense. I'm powerful and strong and a creative being of light. It really might not resonate. <laughs> it's not going to work. If your brain doesn't believe it's possible, it's not going to work. So this process of taking your becauses, Asking yourself, what do I want instead? And starting to work towards that. The what do I want instead becomes your affirmation. And then it is like an affirmation yeah. that has been designed by you, for you, and it will work. And if you do this three or four times a day, I am confident in publishing this book. Mm. And you start adopting the posture of the version of you that feels confident in publishing this book. And you do that for 60 seconds, three or four times a day. Set it random on your phone, yeah? You'll find within two weeks, it's transformed how you're experiencing writing and publishing the book. I'm assuming I do something similar myself. <laughs> <laughs> I do the random, the random reminded thing. <laughs> yeah. It really works. It really works. Have it wherever you write and just focus on one of them. One of the what do I want instead to be your becauses. 
And yeah, let me know. Hello at ClaireYosa.com. If you're trying this, let me know how you get on. It can really, really help. It, it's, it's rewiring the brain so it doesn't need to protect you from that old excuse or fear or limit anymore. Excellent. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. Um, so kind of coming towards the end of, uh, of our time. So thank you very much for, for, for the time that you spent and all, all those nuggets of information that, that I think is going to really help people to combat in, not just imposter syndrome, but just also all those reasons why they think they, you know, that they can't self-publish or, or even find, this isn't just a self-publishing, is it? Absolutely. This, this, is, this is something which can affect you in any part of your life as well. Absolutely. If you're running self-doubt, you're not going to have the guts to go for an agent or to apply to a publisher. So this applies even if you're writing blog posts. It's yeah. about putting your message out there through your writing. Mm, absolutely. So um, I think what would be useful for people, because um, if they want to find out a little bit more, because it sounds like there's probably a lot, a lot more they could actually learn from you so um, where would they go to to actually find out a little bit more well i've actually got a gift for listeners today and it is about imposter syndrome because i had a funny feeling simon and i would end up on that today <laughs> <laughs> so you can go to my website claireyosa.com forward slash simon that's c-l-a-r-e-j-o-s-a.com forward slash simon and i've got a gift for you that's normally a paid course and it's five quick fixes for imposter syndrome for authors. It's a five part video course. Um, the technique we've just done with the because is you get in more detail. I've got my favorite lazy yoga pose that's fantastic for clearing writer's block, that kind of thing. Really practical, actionable stuff. And it's there waiting for you to help you with self-doubts and imposter syndrome. So you can really let your creativity flow, love being a writer, and create the books that your readers have been dreaming of. Well, that's absolutely brilliant. Thank you for that. <laughs> I think, um, and anybody who's listening, um, I think you'd be mad not to take her up on that because. <laughs> uh, so apart from anything, uh, so can I ask, how, how long are those videos, each one of them? They're all they? less than five minutes. So um, no excuses whatsoever. Exactly. My, my view is if you can't teach something in five minutes, then it's too complicated. No, no absolutely. So, um, Anybody who's telling themselves that they don't have self-doubt, then <laughs> check yourself very carefully because the chances are that you're just pushing it down somewhere and have a look at the videos and then you might actually learn something about how to actually recognise that and combat it. So thank, thank, you, thank you very much for your time, Claire. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely to chat with you and I really hope this has helped you listening today and good luck. I can't wait to hear what you go and do with this stuff and what you're going to publish next. All of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to the Writer's Journey podcast. It's great to have you around for the journey. Now, I'd be really grateful if you could rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever it was you found the podcast. That way others can find it too so you'll be paying it forward to the next person who learns to love the amazing guests who join us each week. If you'd like to join the conversation and talk to others about your own writing journey or aspirations, or would like to talk about the podcast, then there's a few places you can say hi on the Facebook page, for example, at facebook.com slash writersjourneypodcast, or on Instagram at writersjourneypodcast, Twitter at writersjourneypod, or just go to writersjourneypodcast.com and you can find out more information about guests on the podcast. There will be writing resources and access to all of the Writer's Journey podcast episodes and their show notes. Join me next time on Writer's Journey podcast. Let our writing journey continue.